from sadness to joy, death to life, victory has been won for me. I'm not who or what I was. My past no longer defines my present or my future. I've been given a new name, a new identity, and adopted into a new family. There is hope, there is something greater, eternity. And today, in spite of all the voices, including my own, who say I'm not worthy, the only one who matters, Jesus Christ, says I am. Nothing will ever be the same. Why? Because 1 Peter 1.3 tells us that according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What a weekend it had been. It was Passover time in Jerusalem, and so Jews from all over the known world were coming together to celebrate uh, their, their independence, to celebrate the freedom that they uh, have because of the Exodus, because God had intervened and saved them and rescued them out of slavery in Egypt. And so this is a time where families are coming together, uh, just as when we have holidays here, like Christmas, families gather together and there's excitement. And so all throughout Jerusalem, there's this energy. And uh, at the same time, for those that were Jesus followers, there's a, con there's a completely different feeling. See, if you were a Jesus follower, the end of this weekend, you were disappointed, you felt defeated, and you were afraid. Not, not only was Jesus publicly executed in the most uh, horrific manner, I mean, I mean, Jesus was nailed to a, a cross, and, and Rome had perfected torture, and the cross was their crowning achievement of torture. And, and so Jesus is, is put on that cross, and then they positioned the cross in such a way in these cities uh, around the, the, the road so that people would be able to see them as they were passing by. And what it said was, don't mess with Rome. And, and, and so Jesus' followers, they've witnessed this, they've, they've seen this, and by all accounts, his mission and his message has been defeated. At least the way they understood it. See, Jesus claimed to be the Messiah, the rescuer of humanity, and uh, sin had run its course all throughout uh, the world. Romans 3.23 is very clear, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we're all in this space today, and we go, yep, that's me. Uh, but even back in those days, they knew that was them uh, as well. And so the relationship between a perfect and holy God uh, and all of humanity, including creation, was fractured. And humanity couldn't do anything about it to make it right because we can't be perfect. So there had to be a perfect sacrifice to pay for this penalty of sin because without it, there could be no reconciliation between God and humanity. And the thing, the reality is this, God could have left it at that, right? 
I mean, uh, he created humanity. He gave humanity every opportunity to not screw it up, right? I mean, Adam and Eve, they've got it pretty cush. I mean, life's pretty good, okay? Walking in fellowship with God, everything's perfect. And, and God just says one thing, like, don't touch that tree, okay? Right here, you, don't touch that. Don't eat that. That's it. And what do they do? They do the same thing that you and I do, don't we? He says, don't do it, and we do that. But God loves us so much that in spite of them and us choosing our own way, he made a way back to himself. And so throughout the Old Testament, we see prophets, the, the ones that, that were speaking on behalf of God, sharing all throughout the Old Testament, a Messiah is going to come, and this is what you need to look for. And, and so we read in John 3, 16, where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And so Jesus fit the description. Jesus even claimed to be the Messiah. In fact, uh, he told his followers that he was going to suffer, that he was going to die, and that he was going to come back. Uh, in, in Matthew 16, 21, it says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. So he had said this. He called his own resurrection. So, so as he's being crucified, his followers should have been like, okay, team Jesus. Like, it's all happening, right? But, but no, they missed it. They didn't see it. Uh, it's interesting how those in opposition to him, the, the very ones putting him on the cross, they knew he had said that. In fact, that's why they put guards at the tomb. They wanted to make sure that nobody could come and steal his body and make it appear like a resurrection had happened. But you know what? I mean, at the end of the day, nobody defeats the cross. The cross was undefeated. And as a result of what his followers had just witnessed, watching him be tortured and put on that cross, there is fear right now. They are hiding. There, there's a fear of even being associated with him. And more than that, they're asking the question of who do we trust? I mean, I mean the, the very people, the Jews, his own people are the ones who are shouting, crucify him. They were the ones making the false accusations. It was one of his 12 that betrayed him. It was one of, of, of his hand-selected 12 that walked with him, that saw the miracles that he performed. You know, we read about the miracles of Jesus, and we go, man, if I could have just been there, oh my goodness, what would that have been like? He was there, and yet he betrays him. And so if you're a follower of Jesus right now, this is a time of mourning, confusion, uh, doubt. Uh, you're trying to figure out how to escape the same fate, and then ultimately deciding what is next. Like, how do we move forward? And that's how they're feeling as they're putting their heads on their pillows Saturday night. But then Sunday morning happens. And in Matthew 28, verse 1, it says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. 
For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. I always think it's interesting. He rolled it and he just sat on it. Like, yep, that's what I do. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. All four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, tell us about the resurrection. And they describe uh, to us this incredible scene uh, from different angles as these uh, women are going to the tomb and they are in shock because the tomb is empty. There's guards just lying there, paralyzed in fear. Uh, there's angels and they're, they're taking all of this in. And, and, and so they leave, they head out and they just start spreading the word. They go finding the disciples like, you're never going to believe it. And we know that some of the disciples went, yeah, we don't believe it. But some of them ran to the tomb, but we get this really honest picture of the mental state of Jesus's followers at this time when we go to Luke chapter 24. And in Luke chapter 24, verse 13, we're, we're brought into uh, this scene where, these, where, these, where there's these two followers of Jesus and they're actually headed out. Uh, you, you know, of Jerusalem. They celebrated Passover, all of that. And, and we're brought into their conversation. And, and it says this in Luke 24, verse 13. And I'm gonna read uh, a ways into this. It says, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? Now, for those of you that doubt that God has a sense of humor, that's funny, right? I mean, come on. It's okay to laugh. Like, yeah, God's messing with them, all right? It says, and then they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, 
Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should, should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. Okay, they are in shock. They can't believe it. They realized it was Jesus the whole time. And so they're like, seven miles, no problem. Let's go, robe, Birkenstocks and all. And they run right back. And they get back to Jerusalem and they show up and they're all huddled, huddled together. And it says, and they found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. What an amazing sequence. Okay, so, so these are a couple of, of Jesus followers. They're leaving Jerusalem and they're, and they're discussing all that's happened all that they've witnessed. And they're asking that question, what's next? Debating about the empty tomb. Like, like it blows me away that there is no connection yet to the resurrection. Like it says they're sad. They're sad about the empty tomb. You guys, nobody was anticipating a resurrection. Like nobody. The women who went to the tomb, they're, they're, they were going to the tomb to prepare the body for decay. I mean, they were there uh, to just honor the body. There was nobody anticipating a resurrection. And, and then the resurrected Jesus appears to these two followers. And then I love this. He explains how all of scripture points to him as the savior. You guys, all of scripture points to Jesus. But... If he doesn't have victory over sin and death, everything falls apart. None of it works without the resurrection. In fact, Paul, speaking about the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 13, he says, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and, our, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because he testified about God that, that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. You guys, if the resurrection didn't happen, we're still left to our sins. In other words, forgiveness, reconciliation would be still impossible. And so, and so to make sure uh, that the resurrection was undeniable and believed, Jesus, over the course of 40 days, revealed himself, just like that interaction there, revealed himself over and over again in his resurrected state. Uh, we read in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3, Paul says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, 
that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, that's the gospel, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. Okay, some of us are like, oh, it was just an empty tomb, and then this rumor started. No, Jesus is like, no, I'm going I'm to make sure that everybody knows. And so over the course of 40 days, he's appearing to all of these people. In every case, people are surprised. And, and what he's doing is Jesus is making it clear that not only does Scripture point to him, but he's fulfilled Scripture. It's really important. So the question for us is, well, how does this impact me today? Well, for one is because he's resurrected, He's alive. He's alive right now. He is active right now. Uh, he's advocating on our behalf to the Father right now. He's speaking to us. He's empowering us through the work of the Holy Spirit right now. You guys, we don't get dressed up and come here and show up and be like, all right, let's all just look back at the resurrection and go, wow, we should totally memorialize that. Like, we, we don't do that, right? Like, uh, is when you go to somebody's birthday party, and if you've never been invited to a birthday party, just hang with me. We love you. We'll pray for you later. Um, God sees you. But um, when you go to a birthday party, you come and, and you bring gifts and you celebrate where that person's at right now, right? You don't show up and, and have baby pictures and, and, and go, hey, I'm glad you turned 30. Here is a binky, right? Like, way to go. You made it. No, we're, we're celebrating where they're at right now because they're uh, alive. And, and you bring gifts, you celebrate, you find a cake that they like right now and gifts that connect with where they're at right now. I, a, a couple weeks ago, I, I had a birthday, and my boys, uh, my family, we had our own little celebration uh, at our house, and, uh, you know, they, they're singing to me, and then they give me their gifts, and it was just really interesting, kind of bizarre this year. Uh, they, they all gave me their gifts, and what they did, it was really cute. They, they all made, you know, their own cards, uh, handmade cards, and, and that was their gift, and, and in the cards was cash. So they all gave me cards with cash in it. So I'm like, thank you. And, and I'm, I'm trying to just go, what, what's, what's happening here? And then I started to remember and reflect. And, and over the past year, uh, my boys have uh, over and over again uh, brought up what they want, right? And if you're a parent, you can say amen. And <laughs> And over and over again, I have responded with, do you know how much that costs? <laughs> and so the wheels start turning. So they put it together. Daddy doesn't have enough money. <laughs> so all three of them gave me cash. And so now when I say, do you know how much that costs? they will say, Daddy, you have $5. <laughs> I'm like, but it's 2023. $5 buys you nothing, okay? But you guys, when we look back at the resurrection, 
We celebrate. We celebrate today. Why? Because it confirms that he's at work right now. It's not a past tense victory. It's, it's present. Today, we have the opportunity to be resurrected spiritually from darkness to life. In, in Romans chapter 6, verse 8, it says, Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Are you, are you picking up on what he just said? Death no longer has dominion over him. He has defeated death. We're, we're acting way too like, oh, okay, that's cool. Do you know anyone else that did that? Like, <laughs> defeated sin and death. Death no longer has a say. It no longer has dominion. It no longer has authority because of what Jesus did. So as a result of that, you and I have been given the gift of, of, of eternal life because that power of sin, of death and hell, it has been beaten. And so today, I can receive forgiveness and reconciliation from a perfect and holy God because he's alive. So, so now I have this opportunity to receive him as my Lord and Savior, to take on a brand new identity. We've been walking through the book of Revelation, and we even read about a new name that he gives us, a new name that is, that is telling the world, they belong to me. A new identity, a new name. And it brings to mind the language that Jesus used throughout his ministry. He would, he would talk to people and he would say, you need to be born again. And they would be confused and they'd be like, what are you talking about? How can, how can someone do that? And Jesus is breaking it down spiritually. What happens when you receive him as Lord and Savior and you are born again into his eternal family? Uh, Paul speaks to the same language in Galatians chapter 2. In verse 19, Paul says, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's so interesting. Like what Paul is talking, and Paul was very impressive. Okay, when it came to fulfilling the law, Paul was like the guy. Okay, he was, as far as in the religious circles, as far as they were concerned, Paul is up here at keeping the law. He's righteous. He's a man of God. And, and, and Paul is, is literally saying the requirements are just too much uh, to be like a holy God. And what he's saying is if all, he's saying if all of your doing, if all of your striving, if all of your being, if, if that's not what makes you right, then you might as well be dead. And that's why he says, through the law, I died to the law. Because the law wasn't enough. See, it wasn't enough to bridge the gap between humanity and a perfect and holy God. It's not what makes you right with God. And so what we need to know today is for some of us, we think if I'm just good enough, I'm going to get to heaven. I have a relationship with God because I'm good enough. And you guys, what you need to understand and know today is your good works will not get you there. 
But then there's some of us in this room and maybe we're not impressed with ourselves. Maybe we're the opposite. Maybe we're very reminded of our failures. Maybe we're very uh, reminded of the things that we've done, that we've been a part of, the things that have been done to us. And we go, there's no way this perfect, holy, and loving God would love me. You don't know my story. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've done. You don't even know what I did last night. And what you need to know, uh, if you're in that camp this morning, is that all of your failures, all of the things that you're ashamed of, all of those things have been nailed to the cross. Like that's the blessing of the crucifixion. But, but I love how as Paul is talking through this, this isn't the end of the story. In Galatians chapter two, verse 20, he starts with these words. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. And then he says something very interesting. He says, it is no longer I who live. I'm like, well, someone's alive. Like someone's living. And it's like, who, who lives? He says, Christ lives. Well, where does Christ live at? He says, in me. You guys, what Paul is saying here is, I'm not just united to the death of Christ on the cross, but he's saying, I am also in that same moment united to the life of Christ through the power of the resurrection. See, if, if, if you're dead and Jesus is alive in you, whose identity do you have? You have Jesus' identity, right? So, so what we see here is incredible. His identity has been put in my place. And that's why Paul can say in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ. In Colossians 3.4, he says, Christ is your life. Christ has put himself in your place. His identity has become yours and you are profoundly loved. So for you who have put your faith and trust in Jesus, your sin has been nailed to the cross and the identity of Christ is yours so that God looks at you and he says, you are my precious child. I love you. You're now a child of God. And you're not only profoundly loved, and man, it's amazing to think of how much he loves us, that he would willfully send Jesus to the cross for you but we are also powerfully changed. In Romans 8, 11, it, it, it tells us, it says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. What it's saying here is that very same power, the Holy Spirit that, that raised Jesus from the dead, that very same power now lives in you. You have been completely transformed spiritually to move forward and to accomplish whatever God has called you to do. And it's tough as we move forward. It's tough when we think about this because what we tend to, to still do, even throughout this journey, is, is we still will listen to the lies of Satan, won't we? We'll listen to those lies that you can't help it, you can't change, they don't really know, you can't be fixed. But then we're reminded how God tells us about this power, this transformation, when he says, but greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. See, when we decide that I'm gonna put and place my faith and my hope and my trust in Jesus, there is a resurrection power that indwells us so that we now have 
a living hope. I'll be honest, a room this size, there's probably quite a few of us who do not wake up every day with a living hope. But 1 Peter 1, 3 promises this. It says, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What this means is tomorrow does not have to be like yesterday for you. I am free from the the, the fear of rejection. I am free from the power of sin because of the indwelling of the resurrected Lord who is by the Spirit in me today. See, today you can be free because of the resurrection. When you believe that, it changes everything, including your eternal destiny. You have a new father, a new family that you've been adopted into. And you guys, when we, when we read this, uh, I don't know about you, but, but growing up, I had this kind of belief and, and I heard the presentations of the gospel. And I'm gonna give you a, an opportunity in a minute to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But, but so often I would come away with this mindset that I just need to get Jesus like in my heart. And if I just get him in my heart, then I'm good. And the message was kind of like, you just bring Jesus into your life that's already defined. You've already kind of got the way you want to live it. And Jesus just kind of joins you on this journey. And it's like you take him into your heart, like you're putting a back pack on and and but little change ever occurs and you know what that would characterize a lot of my friends growing up this is totally different what we see here this is an identity exchange he's talking about this is the picture of literally someone coming out of the water after baptism isn't it like, like when, and we're going to have baptisms next week. When someone comes out of the water, you guys, when, when they go backwards in the water when we baptize someone, it is a picture of that, of that death to their former self, to their former life, to the, to the motivations that used to characterize their lives before Jesus, right? See, I, I, man, when I go back into the water, I am reminded, uh, I, and I'm putting to death that this is about me, this is for me, and that's the purpose of my life. And then you come out of the water and you are brought up and it is a picture of the resurrection to a new life, a new purpose, a new identity in Christ. Guys, that's transformation. That's not, hey, Jesus, join me on my journey. That is brand new. A whole new nature, a whole new person, a new life. Um, my, one of my sons was, was practicing uh, basketball. There was basketball season a couple months ago and he's outside practicing. He comes in to get me and he, he says, hey dad, will you help me? Uh, we practice with me? And I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. You're fighting me out there to practice with you. And uh, I go out there and um, I'm watching what he's doing. And, and I say, hey bud, that's actually um, not how you do that. And so I, I show him how to actually do what, he was trying to do, and he looks at me and he says, you're wrong. <laughs> I was like, huh? He says, you're wrong. So as a mature adult and father, <laughs> I argued with him <laughs> about why I was right and he was wrong. There's a reason we're doing an intentional parenting conference coming up soon. 
But he stood his ground. And in that moment, he's like, I don't believe you. I don't trust you. So I walked away, head down, (laughs) pouting, walked inside, processing the interaction that none of the books I've read prepared me for. (laughs) And as I was sitting there, upset, I started to think about the spiritual realities that were kind of being modeled to me in that moment. You know, how often so many people will cry out to God. How many times they'll, 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 they'll acknowledge and they'll admit, I need change. Something has to change. This isn't working. Life hasn't added up. Whether they've heard of God or not, people have cried out. Some of you in this room, you're here right now because you're just crying out. And you're acknowledging, I need help. And so we cry out and we're like, man, uh, my life, it feels broken. It feels broken beyond repair. I don't know how to fix my marriage. I don't know, I don't know how to fix what's going on with my, my kid. I don't know how to fix this relationship. Uh, my life is a mess. I'm depressed out of my, my mind. My hope is long gone. Uh, I, my, my identity is an absolute mess. Uh, everything that I placed it in has let me down. The things that I thought would bring me this freedom, this fulfillment, it's led to like enslavement. Uh, and I just feel like I'm, I'm held captive now by this. And, and and so there's so many of us that have just cried out to God. We've tried to go to a church, try to make something happen because life isn't working. And then there's some of us that we've, we're, we're crying out to him, but we're not making it public. We've got everybody fooled. See, we're great at putting on that Christian, you know, clothing that, that looks the part, sounds the part. You can pray exactly what you need to pray to impress people. You know the songs. You show up to church just enough. And, 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 and so people think you get it. But internally, you know you don't. Internally, you're crying out. But you guys, here's the reality. And this is so often. God responds to your cry. God makes it real. He says, okay, like, like you want to receive me as your Lord and Savior, you're going to have to submit to me. You're going to have to place your life and you're going to have to give it to me. You're going to have to acknowledge your sin. We don't like that. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to confess that. You're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to believe in me and follow me. And just like my son responding to me, After I'm there to help him, we respond, no, you're wrong. I don't want to do that. All he's saying is believe. John John 5, 24, it's so clear. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Romans 10, 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But you have to make a decision. Will I believe and will I trust him? And you know what's really cool? My son came back into the house, found me crying and and said, hey, dad, will you come back out there and help me? And he was ready to to trust me. 
And you know what? Change occurred. You know, maybe that's you right now. And maybe you're finally at that moment or maybe that breaking point where you're actually ready to surrender your life to Jesus Christ on Resurrection Sunday, 2023. Maybe today is the day you say, I need a new identity. I need a new nature and I need a new family. You guys, I'm gonna invite you to do that right now. In fact, I'm gonna ask everybody uh, in this room and if you're watching online, I'm just gonna ask everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes.